Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. This is Paul Doherty, and I'm honored for those of you that subscribe to this podcast, listen to it, share it on social media with your friends. It means the world. We are talking about learning to lead through transition. Uh, I'm going to be talking about my transition when I stepped in after my dad passed away and during that season, what we did as a church um, before I stepped in as pastor. And once again, just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast, subscribing to it, and sharing it with your friends and family members on social media, sharing it with those that you influence. So let's talk about learning to lead through transition. A little bit of my story. My parents started Victory in 1981. They um, started it. They were pastors of a a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that did not want to grow beyond 300 people. Uh, Isn't that crazy that there's churches that don't want to grow? They really liked just the community and kind of the, the circle that was there back in that time. And the board voted for my parents to leave because they were growing the church too big and there was like over a thousand people coming. It was bothering the board and bothering, I guess, the original members that were there um, before my parents stepped in. And so the board said, we want you to just go and start your own church and you guys are out next week. And good luck finding a building. So that's kind of how Victory started uh, in 1981. They, They ended up finding a place, a car lot, And then it moved to a tent and gradually grew to 10,000 plus people coming on a weekly basis. It was one of the fastest growing churches in the 80s. Um, And really just, you know, with that group of people ministering and doing missions, and we started a Bible college and a Christian school and a camp and a dream center. and, um, And finally, during that time, by the way, our main Sunday services were being held in other places, and we kind of landed in a place that was um, Oral Roberts University right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A uh, big auditorium, seats about 10,000 people. That's where we had church every Sunday for 25 years. Um, and then in 2007, we finally moved into the Victory Main Auditorium, the worship center that we had kind of been believing God for all that time, building it, preparing it, and when we when we opened it, so it had about 4,500 seats, but you could fit 5,000 people in the room. They just would bring in extra chairs. And that was my dad's heart. You know, he really just wanted to have this big auditorium to reach as many people as possible. And um, right after we opened it, within a year, uh, really within about a year and a half, my dad found out, you know, he had cancer and it spread really fast. And he passed away in 2009. And I remember just growing up, loving my parents, loving the church. My parents did a great job just putting the, the Word of God in us and teaching us, you know, to love Jesus and to know that Jesus loves us. And they did a great job hanging out with us, not putting, you know, the ministry in front of the family. Um, and they brought the family into the ministry. So we all worked together and learned together. And I'm the youngest of four siblings. So my older brother, two older sisters, they also helped in the church. Great ministers, great speakers, great leaders. Um, but I just knew deep down in my heart I was called to preach and that one day I would help um, in some way with my parents and help in the church. And I didn't know what it was, but I had kind of felt at times, I wonder if one day I'll help pastor here. Um, but then I thought, no, you know, I've got gifts as a worship leader. I play guitar and piano and I was a songwriter. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just help with praise and worship. Maybe one day I'll help them launch, you know, other churches in other states or nations. 
and kind of help with missions because I loved missions trips and outreaches and uh, loved doing that kind of humanitarian and, and evangelistic type of side of the church. But the night my dad passed away, I just knew in my heart, God just confirmed it, Paul, you're going to step in as the pastor, but not yet. Because at that time, I was 24 years old. I had just gotten married literally four weeks before my dad passed. And I just heard God say, at this time, you need to serve your mom, serve the church, and get ready because the day will come soon where you will be the pastor of this church and ministry. So... I didn't tell anyone anything. You know, I remember what happened in the Bible when Joseph told his brothers that he had this dream, they were all going to work for him, and and that didn't turn out too well for Joseph. You know, he got sold into slavery and shipped off to Egypt. Uh, So I just kept it to myself. I told my wife, I said, I really feel like God told me at some point I'm going to be the pastor. And she said, well, you're the youngest, Paul. I said, I know. And she said, well, I see that potential inside of you, but Let's just be open. If it's not God's will, you know, God has other plans for us. I said, for sure. So I just kept it down in my heart. And my mom stepped in during that time as the interim lead pastor. And she, um, you know, utilized a team of other guy leaders and, and older leaders that came around her and helped minister in the church. And so I was one of those teaching team members. And she started using me more to speak on Wednesday night or Saturday night, sometimes on Sunday mornings. And every time I got up there, it was like more and more in my heart and in her heart and even in the church's heart, people felt like, I think Paul's got this and I think Paul's called to do this. And I have so much of just the DNA of of my parents and our church and just, you know, growing up in, in ministry and went to college studying, you know, being a pastor because I felt like I would do that someday somewhere, but not necessarily here. Um, But here I was and I was in that role During that time, I was reading lots of books, listening to lots of podcasts, going and meeting with lots of mentors in my life, and just, you know, asking God, what is your will? So the day came where my mom sat me down, um, and she said, Paul, you need to know that you're going to step in as pastor someday. I said, are you serious? I said, Mom, I felt that in my heart, but I didn't know that you felt that. She said, yeah, your dad actually felt that, and he shared it with a few board members that you would be the next pastor. And when she said that, I just started bawling because I had talked to my dad about ministry, but we had never talked in depth about where I landed in that role. And that my dad had mentioned in times past, Paul, I want you to help me build the church. I want you to help me preach someday. But I thought he was saying that to all the kids, you know, and I'm sure he was, but that in his heart, he also felt like this is a role that Paul's called to do. Not that I'm, you know, more loved than the other kids at all or, or more qualified because they're way more qualified. And he loved all of us the same, you know. But I think he just saw that gift and that natural gift on the inside of me to preach and to pastor. And it was tough walking through it as a family. Um, each of my siblings, you know, God has great and has had and has great plans for them and is using them in incredible ways as pastors, as leaders, And I knew they could lead this church. But for whatever reason, God had placed me there. It wasn't even just my dad's, you know, feeling in his heart. It was also, I just felt like it was God, like God was making this happen. So the board sat down with me. My mom sat down with me. They said, we're going to give you some time. My mom said, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, what I'm doing, five years from the day your dad passed to the day that I'm going to hand it off to you. So that would put me at the age of 28, the week that I would step in, and then the following week I would turn 29. 
And she said, but at the same time, Paul, this could be 10 years. So I'm not saying it's going to be five years. It could be 10, could be 15. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just knew, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to set the time or the date of when I'm called to step in. I'm just here to serve my mom, serve the church, and keep growing and preparing for the day that I would pastor. So that's what I did. And um, I met on a weekly basis with my mom, with a few other key leaders, board members in the church, just continually growing and challenging myself to learn the whole ministry. I had been in young adult ministry and in worship ministry and helping out in the youth ministry, and I'd grown up serving in the kids' ministry, so I knew those areas, but I needed to learn all the areas. I needed to learn weddings and funerals and main service and finances and the camp and the school and the Bible college and connect groups and discipleship and uh, missions and outreach, evangelism, the Tulsa Dream Center, all these other things that we do, and then learning the facilities and learning how the operations work and the budget for each of these areas. So I was kind of just on this crash course, just learning on a weekly basis, absorbing information, talking to our staff members, learning and growing in that. And the day came in 2014 where my mom got up in front of, you know, our staff first and said, Paul is going to be stepping in as the pastor this upcoming year in about six months. So I want you guys to be prepared for that. And then she told the church about three months before I would step in, she said, Paul's going to be stepping in as the next pastor come this August, um, 2014. During that whole time, by the way, when my father passed away, um, our church went through a really difficult, honestly, just pruning season. Um, about two to 3,000 people in attendance left our church. And when you take attendance, usually attendance is half of what your membership is. So if your membership is 16,000 people, then your attendance is typically 8,000 people on a weekly basis. So we were at, you know, um, weekly when my dad passed away, we were ministering to about 10,500 and we went down to 7,500 by the time I stepped in. And that was a lot of families and friends that I had grown up with and that I was hoping were going to stay with us and help us grow as a ministry and reach our city and, and that we were going to learn together and work together, grow together. But you know, God, God called them other places. And, um, and I, I really threw a lot of tears and a lot of just internal pain and frustration and conversations with my mom and my wife and my siblings and everybody learned to just let it go and let people go and realize that some people are with you for a reason. Some people are with you for a season and some people, very few are with you for a lifetime. And um, realizing that the people that, you know, are the loudest oftentimes are not the most loyal. I heard Stephen Furtick say that. I thought that was a great word. T.D. Jakes has said sometimes, you know, the people that are really strong in the beginning with you, that they're kind of like scaffolding. They're just there to get you set up. And then they, they kind of leave and they go their own ways. And that's part of transition. And the more that we can learn how to view people that, hey, not everyone's with us forever, and there's going to be people that leave that you hope would stay. There's going to be people leave with offense. There's going to be people leave with no offense at all. Just say it's a new season, new chapter. Um, so that was something God was teaching me. I was reading a lot from the book of Joshua and reading also a lot from the story of Gideon in the book of Judges and just realizing that not everybody could go into the promised land. Not everybody was called to fight with Gideon. He started with thousands, and then God dwindled him down to 300 before he would see the awesome breakthroughs that he saw and victories. 
So I just started looking at the team that was there, the church, the staff, the volunteers, and going, okay, this is my 300. This is my core team, and we are going to build strong, and we are going to fight strong, and we're going to work together, and we're going to be united. And so I just started preaching on unity. I started preaching on teamwork. I started preaching more and more on vision and that God had called us to um, – to do greater things. And I started, you know, just preaching from that scripture in John where Jesus said in the book of John that the things I do, you're going to do even greater things. And then, you know, preaching in the New Testament that God takes us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, that he who started this work in us is not finished yet, but he is going to finish that work and he's going to continue working in us until the day that Christ Jesus returns. So I just kept preaching that, guys, our best days are in front of us. Let's work together. Let's fight together. Let's see the greater things that God wants to do at Victory. And let's not camp out in the miracles of the past. Let's let's celebrate the past, but let's honor the past by moving forward into greater uh, vision and greater faith and great expectations. And so people, you know, gathered around that vision, have still gathered around that vision, and we've seen God grow the church again. Uh, we've seen you know, seen some people leave, but we've seen a lot more people coming, a lot more pe- visitors coming and, and joining the church um, and some of it has maybe been some transfer growth. And I realize that's kind of, you know, stuff that happens in any church. When there's a new pastor, there's always some people that come check it out from other places. But a lot of our growth that I've looked into has been brand new converts, people that weren't plugged into church anywhere and that are coming and joining Victory and come to find out they had stopped going to church 10 years ago. So it, that to me was exciting to find that out. Um, but I want to just help you. So with some practical stuff of transition, maybe you're stepping into a transition. Maybe you're taking over after someone who did a great job. Maybe you're trying to, uh, you know, build something new or rebuild. Maybe someone um, before you uh, was not a leader that that built it strong, but maybe before them was built strong. So how do you step in and how do you uh, take things forward? I think it comes down to a few things. One, you've got to get your heart right. If the heart of the leader is not right, then the heart of the organization won't be right. So you've got to get your heart full of hope, full of faith, full of vision, full of life, um, not holding on to any bitterness, not holding on to any offense, uh, free of any sin or any toxicity. Just saying, Lord, cleanse my heart. Help me to lead from a pure heart. Because I believe if you can lead from a pure heart, you're going to take your organization further and faster by simply just having your heart at peace, your soul um, in a good place. And as the leader goes, so goes the people. So if the leader has a pure heart, man, it's going to flood into the people's hearts and they're going to rally behind that. And I've always heard this, that how a leader leads is how the people follow. So if a leader is leading with a chip on his shoulder or with bitterness or um, just a negative perspective on other churches or other people. It affects everyone. So get your heart right. Then I say, get your mouth right. You know, start declaring, speaking vision and hope. The more that I speak that into our staff and call those things that are not as though they were and speak potential and faith and vision, it it motivates our team. Then from, you know, speaking those things, now we've got to act on those things. So immediately take action in areas where people are looking for you to take action, where they know, man, things are struggling there. We need to improve that area. We need to let that person go. We need to move uh, that person into a different seat on the bus. And uh, all those different things that you need to take action. And I'll say this, man, as leaders, 
We cannot complain about the organization when we're the ones that have the power to change it. We can't complain about something that we have the power to change. So take action. If there's things that you don't like or that other people don't like, take action, change it up, get it going in the right direction. I started taking action in a few areas where I just felt like, man, I don't like the way these things are working. I don't like the way these things are are coming across to the outside world. Let's get on top of this. Let's change this. Um, and even in like our social media, we, we really didn't have a social media presence. So I sat down with our media team, my brother, he's the creative director. And I said, John, I want you to pay attention and to focus on strengthening victory, social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, all of it. I I want that to be a strong part of, of who we are, that we're constantly encouraging people on social media and touching base with our congregation and the people that are coming to church. So today, that, that is a strong part of our church. Um, with our productions and videos we do in service, they, there were times where, man, we just had inconsistencies. So I had to take action and go, I want to see consistent quality in all of our videos that we show in church. I want to have consistent quality in our worship, so taking action there. Um, and then also just having lots of communication that, you know, I know it's not always the fun thing, but you got to have meetings and you got to sit down and you got to talk things out in meetings, get collaboration, get feedback, talk about what's working, what's not working. So on a weekly basis, I have meetings with all of our teams, our pastors, our media team. Uh, I try to meet with our department heads regularly. I try to meet with our, our key leaders and supervisors of all the areas on a weekly basis and just get their feedback, talk to them, and just find out you know where, where we're hitting it out of the ballpark and where we need to improve. So these are just a few things. And then I'll just say this, on transition, just know that it's not always going to be your fault when people may leave or complain in the middle of the transition. Sometimes it's just hard for people to accept change. And it's hard for people to accept, you know, new. And when you step in as the leader in a transition, you are new. And I heard somebody tell me this. This was really helpful. They said, Paul, you yourself are the biggest change that people are going to have to get used to. Like the lights could change, the sound could change, the worship leaders could change. But when the key leader changes, the pastor, that's the big change. So let people process that for a little while. Don't force them or expect them to immediately be on board with you. Give people time. Understand they are also walking through this transition too. And don't always feel the need to preach at the people that don't like you or are writing the emails and complaints to you. Uh, Don't let that affect what you're saying from stage and how you're leading meetings. And that's something I've had to learn more and more is just go, you know what? There are more for me than there are against me. And I need to speak with that heart of purity and life and love and encourage people and point people to the word of God and not harp on anyone who's, you know, harping on me or complaining about me. Um, I guess last but not least on, on transition, and we'll talk about this again. I'll just say that, you know, everything needs time and pace yourself on some of the things that you're believing to change or wanting to change. Don't feel like you got to do it all in one year or in one month or, or, or even in two or three years that, man, we're in this for the long haul. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So let's pace ourselves and recognize that, you know, change takes time. And the bigger the organization, the slower it moves. So just pacing yourself, um, not just for your sake, but for everyone's sake that's accepting these changes and, and walking with you. 
and and being mindful that uh, there's more than people out there that are just like you. There's a lot of people that are different than you, and they're handling changes differently than you do. And so just being cognizant of those people. When I stepped in, I'll finish with this last story. God told me this, Paul, make this church just an even greater expression of what it's already been, because what it's been is great. And you don't need to try and change that DNA. Just build on that. Just make it stronger of what it is. Now, maybe your organization needs new DNA, new, completely different DNA or completely different style. For us, it was just about continuing to improve who we were. And we were a church that loved God and loved people, and we were going to keep doing that. We weren't married to the methods, but we were married to the message. The message was Jesus, and it still is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life is Jesus, and that's what I preach. But the method can gradually change in order to reach more and more people. And and when you change the method, it doesn't mean you're compromising the message or compromising the truth or compromising any standards of morality. You're just finding new ways to get the message out there. And you're finding new ways to deliver that message to a new generation. And I told our church, guys, I'm going to keep preaching that same message of Jesus, of hope, of of the power of, of what Jesus did for us on the cross and he rose from the dead and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit and I'm going to talk about the Bible, but I'm going to keep on looking for new ways to reach my generation, your generation, and this is going to be a multi-generational church, multi-ethnic church. We're going to be diverse. We're not just a church for young people. We're a church for the old and the young, the singles and the married, the young boys and girls and the grandparents for all different ethnicities, whatever nation you came from, whatever tribe you came from, you are welcome here, whatever background you have. So I continue on a monthly basis to cast that vision that we are a church for all people, but we have a message and it's all about Jesus. And we're gonna keep on finding new ways to deliver that message about Jesus to all different types of people that are coming through our doors. I hope some of this has helped you. I'm praying for you. Your best days are right in front of you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Join us for another episode soon. 